Hi, and thank you for listening to me introduce the Family Life Christian Center podcast. Whether you're listening because you slept in on Sunday or you're just back for more, we are so glad you're here. We truly believe God is doing great things in the earth through you. Whether it's your family, friends, coworkers, or people you've never met, you are called to touch the lives of those around you. We believe it's our job to empower you to fulfill your highest calling in Christ. So buckle up, because we know God has something special for you right here and now. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. And now I'm going to change cameras. Ready? Ready, ready? Follow my eyes. Three, two, one. There we go. Does that feel better? Do I look better now? A little more contrast, a little more saturation. I'm a video guy. I can't help but be here and behind the camera at the same time in my mind. Uh, so I have uh, a message I want to... I'm excited to share this today. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, and uh, to illustrate the message, I uh, commissioned Olivia Barlow to perform a task for me to demonstrate this. Now, she sent me videos that were wonderful that I would have loved to have shown, um, but I will instead just have to narrate this, this intrepid tale for you. So what happened was I told, I told Olivia, can you go out and play a game uh, that used to be played a lot in like youth groups and things, and the game is called Bigger and Better. And what happens is you go out into the world with a piece of garbage, and you have to turn that into gold somehow. And so I said, Olivia, go out there with a dime and give that, trade that with somebody for something better. So, you know, as it is with, you know, it's youth groups and kids usually. Uh, I asked Kenny and John to do this, but they're like, I don't think this is a good game for adults to play. Uh, for, <laughs> but Olivia shows up, knocks on the door and says, hey, I have a dime. Do you have anything better that I can trade you for? And they're kind of, usually there's kind of a moment where they go, this is weird. Am I part of a prank? Is this on television? And then they go, okay, I'll play. And then they go inside, they find something, and then they bring it back and they trade. Her very first trade yesterday, she traded a dime for a pair of sunglasses. They were the nice kind of Oakley looking kind, you know, the dad shades. Uh, they're great. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, she spent a dime and in return, she got probably like a $15 pair of sunglasses. And it's like, oh, that was a pretty good trade goes to the next house and says, hey, I have these sunglasses. Uh, do you have anything bigger or better than this that you'd like to trade me for? And they think about it for a second, and they come on back with a fresh new pair of fancy socks. And it's like, okay, socks. That seems like maybe a horizontal step, but we're trading. We're maybe not that much bigger, maybe not that much better, but we're moving. We're making things happen. Goes to another house and says, hey, I have these socks. Do you have anything bigger and better that you'd like to trade for? And uh, they had like a, it's probably like two feet tall, three feet wide, this giant wooden boat with like sails, this beautiful decorative piece. I think my dad spent like $200 on one in Italy that he brought back with them. So who knows how much that thing was worth, but it was this big, beautiful decorative sailboat. It's like, that's ridiculous uh, for a pair of socks. That's a good trade. And then she goes to another house and says, hey, I have a big old boat. Would you like to trade me for something for this? Anything bigger and better that you'd like to exchange this for? And she trades it then for a pair of like mountable studio speakers that are like, I mean, if I wanted those, I'd probably be paying like four to $600 for a really nice pair of like quality audio speakers. And it's like, okay, hold on a second. So you've, you've made like four trades. You went out there with 10 cents and you came back with about $600 worth of goods. That's a pretty good trade. And I think what's fun about that is 
it is a beautiful, beautiful illustration of our walk with Jesus. Uh, because God makes good trades. God makes very, very good trades. Anytime God asks something of us, it means he wants that because he has something better for us. You know, here we are with our dime and God says, hey, he almost pursues us and says, hey, you see that dime that you have there? I have a dollar. Can I trade you? And, you know, you'd think like, well, that's great. I'll give you a dime and I will get a dollar. And now I I have grown, you know, in this case financially, but let's talk about it spiritually because this is church. And, uh, and every time, you know, you give something to God, he gives back something better. And what I love about the example of this game of bigger and better is that this is, you know, like a silly thing that the kids do. But in this case, these are normal people. This is not God. Like these are just any random stranger that Oli was, you know, willing to say, Hey, can I invite you into a trading relationship? People that have no idea who she is, no obligation to give her anything good, but we kind of go back to that Matthew 7 idea of if your son asks for a loaf of bread, would you give him a stone? Like if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? Like, no, you're going to give him good things. So normal people are more than happy to trade up and to give more than they are getting. And that's beautiful in and of itself. But then you think, how much more then will God give good things to those who ask? And we go, okay, well, now that really brings up some interesting thoughts. So uh, what's funny about this is it seems really simple you know, in some ways, you'd like, we'd like to think that's the end of the story, is I give things to God, and he gives me back something greater. And it's like, okay, cool, end of story. But it doesn't usually happen like that. Uh, Kenny talked about when he played this in youth group, there was an illustration of somebody called, I believe it was Edward Sticky Hands, who had his dime stuck to his fingers, and God says, hey, would you like this dollar? And he goes, yeah. He's like, cool, let me take your dime. And there's Edward Sticky Hands just hanging on to the dime. No, no. And he can't get the dollar until he gives the dime. You have to be able to let go of what you have in order to receive what God has. And then we go, ooh, there's a sermon there. And that's why we're here today. So the question is, you know, if we don't let go of our dime, then God can't give you his dollar. Your hands are not available to hold it. Uh, You have to hold up your end of the bargain. So the question is, why do we hold on to the dime? I believe there are three main reasons why that happens. Uh, Number one is we overvalue the dime. We look at the dime and we say, wow, this is precious. This is amazing. I couldn't give this up. I love this dime. This This is the best thing that's ever existed. God, you have a dollar. It's like, well, that's basically the same, right? It's like, no, a dime has a different value than the dollar, but a lot of times we overvalue the dime. We think it's equivalent or better than God's dollar. So the ways that we do this, uh, number one is uh, pride is a really good one. Uh, you know, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of talk of how um, sometimes we, we learn so much, we study so much that we kind of think we know more than God. We say, oh yeah, God, God talks about this, but I've actually thought my way through the Bible, uh, learned its lessons, and I have built a better theology on top of the Bible that states that I don't have to give God my dime. It's actually better if I keep it. My dime is superior to God's dollar. It's like, hang on, that's pride. <laughs> There's a problem with that. Uh, and to go into, yeah, it's kind of that knowledge that puffs up. You know, there was, there was a time when... Uh, well, we're not going to go there. That's, that's a whole can of worms. We're going we're gonna to pause there for a second. Overvaluing the dime. We like our ways. 
we just like the dime too much. That's a problem with ourselves. So if we think about having a dollar means not having a dime. So I don't want to give that up. And I think the problem is that a lot of times we pray for deliverance from something that we still want. I will say that again, because that's good. A lot of times we don't receive deliverance because we're praying for deliverance from something we still want. We don't want to let it go. We say, God, save me from my addiction. And then he says, cool, hand it to me. And you go, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. Well, how am I going to take it away from you? If you won't let go, you have to give it to me. And I have something better for you, but you have to let go of that. You know, and like, oh, God, save me from lust. Spare me my eyes. Like, okay, hand that to me. Mm, but I, I like it. You know, I, it, it feels good, you know, and I, I like feeling like I have control and power and, and I don't want to let go of that. He's like, okay, well, then you have your dime and I have a dollar. And whenever you're ready to let go of your thing, I'll give you my thing. Yeah, a lot of times with things too, a lot of people say, I don't want to lose my freedom, right? Because a lot of ways, when we accept God's dollar, it kind of comes with a higher challenge. It comes with a higher level of expectation. You know, a lot of, a lot of people um, will look at the church, and I'm sure you've all heard this. A lot of you might even think this, that going to church, it's just a list of rules that you have to follow, right? It's just, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then when you look at it that way, legalistic, void of relationship, void of the human spirit, it kind of just looks like a bunch of rules. But, you know, you ask the question of like, well, you know, God says to cast your cares upon him. It's like, well, what, do I have to do that? And I, I honestly feel like God's saying, you don't have to, but if you do, I have something better for you. You know, God's not going to make you do anything. God is not going to come into your life and like, you know, hits you on the back of the head and all of your anxiety disappears. Like it doesn't usually work like that. Like sometimes there is that immediate deliverance, but for most people, it takes an act of will and a choice to hand that over to God. There's a process that happens in that exchange that is necessary for you to hold on to the dollar once you get it. Because a lot of times we'll get a hold of the dollar immediately and then we kind of look back at the dime and we go, wait a minute, I don't know about this anymore. Let go of the dollar, back to the dime. We might be overvaluing our dime, making it seem better than it actually is. Um, The other thing we do is we undervalue God's dollar. We say, instead of saying, you know, God has a dollar and I have a dime, but I think my dime is a dollar. Sometimes we say, I have a dime and God has a dollar, but his dollar looks like a dime. Or maybe his dollar looks like a nickel. Maybe I don't want to trade God for that because what you're offering me doesn't seem as good as what I currently have. And when you're looking at it that way, you go, why would I ever make that trade? I don't need to. Uh, Reasons we do that for one is doubt. You know, I think we forget that (laughs) the devil lies and he, he, he's just talk, 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 talk. The dude does not shut it up. So we think about even all the way back to Genesis, we have Adam and Eve and the serpent, you know, Satan telling Adam and Eve, like, oh, you know, God said, if you eat from this tree, you're going to die, you know, and you'll, you'll understand the knowledge of good and evil and all that. And Satan says, you certainly will not die for God knows that when you eat from the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Like, yeah, like that's that what God is offering you, like what God's trying to keep you from. That's actually not, you know, like that's actually, let me, hold on, let me figure this out. <laughs> I'm trying to maintain the metaphor here. Yeah. He's saying like, yeah, God's dollar is actually a dime. You know, like he's saying, because what God said is, 
Don't eat the tree and you get paradise and relationship with me. That's a dollar compared to a dime saying, you know, you can know good and evil and you can be on your own compared to paradise forever and eternity with God the Father. That's a dollar versus dime. That's a billion dollars versus a penny. Like there's not even any consideration there. But the devil says, actually, I think the apple is the dollar and I think life and eternity with Jesus is the dime. Devil lies. He likes to flip that around. And then we say that, we go, oh, God lied. So I'm going to go and get the dime instead of the dollar, or I'm not going to trade with God. I'm going to hang on to this because God, you're not faithful. You're not telling the truth. And you're just trying to trick me. And you're going to make my life worse if I give this to you. So I'm hanging on to my dime. It's almost out of self-protection. When we misunderstand God, when we let the enemy into our ear saying and manipulating the word of God and changing it, perverting it, we forget the value of what God's really trying to offer us. Uh, Another one, oh, this one hurts me. Uh, another one too is that, oh, oh we got to come back around to that one. So another one too, we undervalue God's dollar. A lot of times we do that just because of comfort. We say, I'm comfy. I don't need a dollar. I have learned to live off a dime and changing or you know, upsetting what I currently know in order to get a hold of a dollar doesn't seem worth it to me. I'm just comfortable. I'm just going to hang right here. I don't need to grow. I don't need to learn. I don't need to work. I don't need to study. I don't need to challenge my beliefs. I'm just going to sit right here with my dime and just be content to stay here forever. And I feel like I'm challenged in this, and I'm not going to say anything that I'm certain is theologically true, but I do believe that if someone gets safe, gives their life to Christ, and then never changes, I think we'll see him in heaven. They'll be there, but they won't experience heaven until after their life, where somebody that chooses to pursue the word of God, get out of their comfort zone and choose to grow, they get to experience heaven on earth. So you can spend your entire life saved, but miserable and then never experience true joy until you meet Jesus in heaven. So I think that comfort is keeping us from experiencing heaven on earth. When we undervalue God's dollar, we're saying, I don't need to grow. And God says, are you sure? Because there's a lot of good things that comes with that growth. If you can get out of your comfort zone, I will miraculously transform who you are, how you feel, what you think. Your life will be rich. You will experience heaven on earth, but you just have to be willing to take the step. Can you get out of your comfort zone? Can you do that with me? The lights changed. I assume that's because God is clapping. And uh, the movement of the Holy Spirit interacted with the electrical fields surrounding me. <laughs> so another thing too. So anyways, we overvalue the dime. We undervalue God's dollar. Or I think a real big one is just that we're afraid of change. We're afraid. You know, that ties into the comfort thing. Change is scary. I think one of the best examples of our fear keeping us from that next step, that fear keeping us from trading our dime for God's dollar is what I'm going to call an addiction to being broken. I think a lot of people are used to being broken. In fact, if they were to get better, that reality scares them more than staying broken. Because here's the problem. A lot of people get a lot of sympathy and affirmation and attention 
by staying broken. Because here's poor little old me with just a dime, and I need you in my life. And a lot of people in the world say, oh, I want to help you. So I'm going to be around. I'm going to be present. I'll give you things. I'll do it on you. I'll encourage you. I'll be there for you. And I think their fear is if I get better, you'll go away. And I won't be in your life, you know, or if I get better, then I won't get that encouragement. I won't get that attention. I won't get, you know, other people taking care of me. I might actually have to stand up on my own feet and take care of myself and do some hard work. And that scares me. I don't know how to do that. So I'm just going to stay broken. It's kind of the idea of, you know, teach a man to fish. You'll feed him for a lifetime. Give a man a fish. He'll feed him for a day. Someone says, everyone keeps giving me fish. Why would I learn how to, fi- how to fish for myself? <laughs> All of my needs are met by my brokenness. And in that way, you are trusting your brokenness more than you're trusting God to provide for you. So for a lot of people, and I've met some of these people too, that they will just not grow because they're afraid of taking on responsibility for their own lives for actually having a relationship, God, where he is able to do work in you. And when you're doing that, when you remain broken, you're saying, God, you're not allowed to work on me because if you work on me, you're going to mess up my whole thing I got going on right now. (laughs) I will not allow you to fix me or change me because my brokenness is how I survive. But that is a false gospel. That is not the truth. That is not how you're meant to live or survive. That is not growth. That is not change. And, you know, we talk about the idea of a a fountain and a drain a lot. A fountain produces and a drain reduces. If you remain a drain, you are reducing not only yourself, but everybody that's, that's throwing their dimes down your bottomless pit because that's not a good investment. If I I give you a dime and it goes away, that's a bad investment. But if I give you a dime and you turn that into 20 cents, that's a good investment. Maybe I'll give you some more. You know, and that's where we get into the, well, I'm I'm derailing, but I'm going to leave it at that. I think a lot of times we're addicted to being broken. So we don't allow God to improve us. Um... Yeah, a lot of times too in that transition, like I was saying, we're just afraid for to trade with God. I remember <laughs> this is a funny story. In high school, uh, I dated as a teenager. Some things you have to learn the hard way. Uh, and <laughs> dating as a teenager is hilarious. It's really funny. Uh, there's a reason there's a lot of high school dramas, you know, for kids shows because there's a lot of drama there. But there was a girl that. Uh, I'll just say she was sad all the time. You know, I was in high school and she was sad all the time. It was about once a week, you know, she would just be off in the corner crying and she had good reason to be. I won't say that that was just this, you know, over emotional display. And I decided I'll befriend her because she seems like she needs a friend. (laughs) So in developing friendship with her uh, at a certain point, it kind of turned into more than that in her mind or it wanted to be more than that in her mind. And she said, hey, uh, we should date. Like, do you want to go out with me? Like, I really think we'd be a good team. And I was like, hmm, maybe one, my goal is to encourage you and befriend you. That was not my goal is to date you. But another really, really big problem here is you currently have another boyfriend. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to be that guy, you know, that's like dating you while you're dating somebody else. And the kind of thing of like, well, then then what? Do you just kind of date both of us for like a transitional period? And then once you're certain that our dating is going really well, then you'll get rid of the other guy. You know, because usually the way that it goes and what I held to there was like, no, no, you got to break up with that guy. And I said, don't do it for me. You're clearly not happy with this guy. Like, why are you staying with somebody who's, who's not 
bringing you any joy, who's not good for you, you know, and why are you trying to like, you're too afraid to jump ship. It's like, well, here's the deal. Even if I wasn't here, you should jump ship. Like, don't be afraid to swim in the ocean a little bit in order to find more solid ground or, you know, to find a more seaworthy vessel. The one you're on right now is already sinking. But in her mind, the, the thought of having nobody was so scary that she was willing to stay in an unfulfilling relationship because she was too afraid of trying to step out on her own. You know, so who knows in that moment, God's saying like, hey, I have a dollar for you. And she's like, I need my dime. He's like, I promise if you give me the dime, I'll give you a dollar. She's like, but how fast? Is it going to take a long time? If I give you my dime, is it like, will you give it right away? You know, and that's, I think, what she was trying to do. <laughs> she's like, well, I'll date you. So that means I'll just like, in the same instance, I'm just going to like swap it out real quick. But how many of you know that that's not always how it goes? A lot of times when you give God something and you say, God, change me, God, grow me. Sometimes that's a long and painful process. And that process keeps us from growing. And that's a problem. That's fear. That's keeping us from experiencing the fullness of God in our lives, from experiencing the fullness of who we're called to be. And so I want to think about that in context of a couple different kinds of traits. So a good trait here to explain that first part of that transition is... uh, all right, so let's start with this one. This is, this is fun. This is embarrassing. I'm going to get real vulnerable here. You're about to learn something about me that you probably didn't want to know. Uh, I have had a wart on the bottom of my left foot for over a year. It's just been chilling there. It's like a hole that has been drilled into the bottom of my foot. And when I finally went to the podiatrist, because Natalie set up the appointment, because I just don't, it's not that I was afraid to go or unwilling. I just didn't want to make that phone call because I was busy. So when I finally got to the podiatrist, he looked at my foot and he's like, yeah, this is pretty much to the bone. I was like, I probably let this go a little bit too long. So, so God, so at that point, God says, Danny, here's the dollar. Please take it. Give up the wart. You don't need it. And I go, okay. And you'd say, okay, trading a healthy foot for a foot with a wart in it. That seems like an easy trade. But here's the problem. As I was sitting there with my foot up on the thing, he starts carving into my foot with a scalpel and starts scraping and cutting and tearing out pieces of the wart, which is actually my flesh. (laughs) And the first couple scrapes, you know, it's like, okay, you know, it's almost like you're tapping on a callus or just like itching your elbow or something. It's just like, that ain't bad. And then all of a sudden, he gets a little bit closer to where the wart ends and my foot begins. And next thing you know, he's scraping and cutting. It's like, oh, that felt tender. Like, ooh, like he's, he's really getting in there. And then he grabs a tweezer and pulls and tears a piece out. It's like, whoa, like that was a part of me. <laughs> and it wasn't healthy and it wasn't good, but it hurts a lot more to take it out than just leaving it in there. And, <laughs> and then eventually he's scraping and scraping and scraping until the foot starts to bleed. And even in the instructions they gave me on how to do this myself, which I don't enjoy, it says you need to scrape and tear and pull until bleeding. Because when you hit bleeding, that means now we actually hit the real you. 
We've gotten to your blood. We've gotten to your flesh and bone. We're no longer working with this dead husk that's just hanging onto you and sucking the life out of you and affecting your health, affecting the way that you walk. The rest of me has to compensate for the fact that my foot is incorrect. But if I can go through that painful process of carving and tearing and pulling, even to the point of bleeding, then finally my foot can begin to heal properly. So you say wart for healthy foot. That's a good trade. But we forget about this middle part, the process of getting from the wart to the healthy foot. And sometimes that involves some painful cutting. That means that there's pieces of me that were comfortable that now I have to get way out of my comfort zone to really remove it from my life. And that kind of trade takes courage. A couple other kinds of trades. I always like this one. Uh, so with, with kids, a lot of people say, well, I want kids. I want a fulfilling life. I want a family. And God says, okay, I have a family for you, but it's going to cost you a dime. What is my dime? What, what do you have to trade for kids? Uh, turns out it's just about everything. <laughs> uh, it's most of your money, most of your sleep, most of your time. Uh, it puts a huge, tremendous weight on your marriage. It doesn't cost you your marriage, but it changes it. And now you are carrying this heavy load together. You know, and you think about, well, let's take that even one step, you know, so it's basically for a kid, there is a cost associated with that. But in comparison to the dollar of your kid, I'm really only asking for a dime. And when you think about how much hard work it is to raise a kid, how much more than that suffering, magnificently more is the value of the child that is produced. Joe Barlow knows that trade. That's why he made it seven times. <laughs> Uh, and then you think about that. Well, I, I want a kid, but I don't have a spouse. It's like, okay, spouse is a dollar. Do you want to give up your dime? What's the dime? Maybe your selfishness. Maybe your ambitions are so great. You don't have room for someone else in your life. Maybe you're just not a good listener and you have to give that up. That has to go away for someone else to share space with you. Maybe you're just not good at taking care of somebody other than yourself. That's got to go. And it's like, whoa, hang on a second. I've been doing that my whole life. You're saying I have to give that up? Yes, if you want the dollar. I won't force you to change, but if you want the dollar, you got to give up a couple things. They're dimes in comparison to what you're getting, but you do have to give them up. Uh, another one that I like too, just in the context of family life, being a church that believes in the supernatural, uh, your tongue. This is actually something that God asks of us. So when we talk about speaking in tongues, this was something I had to study out because it's wild. I mean, the first time you experience it, when you grow up your whole life and then see it for the first time, it's like, what is this? Uh, it's pretty nuts. But here's what I'll say about it, is that speaking in tongues is a profound exercise in surrendering to God. A profound exercise in surrendering to God. I am 90% thinker, 10% feeler, maybe 5%. I don't even know what the other 5% is, but it's not the feeler. And my mind, I treasure my mind. I love thinking about things. I will think myself in and out of every problem in the world. I will look at it from a thousand different angles. And I get really, really proud of myself for how good I am at thinking, which is pride. We talked about this. That's bad. But still, thinking is my sweet spot. You know, I value my mind and I like knowing I have control of my thoughts. It's this wonderful, you know, thing that I value very highly, reason and wisdom and just thought and abstract ideas. And when you're praying in tongues you're saying, okay, God, you can have that. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, like, 
no, I don't wanna. Like, it's, I don't want to do that. It's because based, and I've looked at this, they'll have people praying in tongues underneath uh, CAT scans or you know, MRIs where they're, they're viewing the electrical activity going on inside of your brain and the part of your brain that comes up with language, that comprehends language and produces communicable words, that is off when people are praying in tongues. Words are coming out of their mouth, but it's not their own. That is biologically what is going on when people are praying in tongues. That's saying, okay, God, like, I'm going to take my mind and I'm going to put it in your hands. And that is because you can do more with the words out of my mouth and the thoughts that I think than I can. And I love thinking. I love having ideas. I'm very proud of myself often with how good of a thinker I am. But I know for certain that God is still better at it than I am. So that to me was saying, okay, hold on a second, God. You want me to give up a dollar so you can give me a dime? I was overvaluing my dime in that case. But then it took me understanding, oh, wait a minute. Maybe God's asking this of me because he has something better to give me. So I gave him my mind. You can have it. And it took me a while. I, I had a little bit of struggle with this one. And I would kind of like get into it and out of it. And I knew when I was praying in tongues and I knew when I was just making up words because there was a difference. That little part in the brain was active or inactive. And I knew when it's like, I'm just making up words so I can fit in. That was not it. That was not true surrender. What's real surrender? And I know when it happens, when it kicks off and my mouth is making beautiful words and is speaking the word of God to the world and the Holy Spirit is moving through me and I am fully surrendered to it. Like God, my body is something that belongs to you in this moment. Use it how you want to use it. And I believe that the words out of my mouth are more powerful than the thoughts that I could have had during that time. And that's a valuable trade. Uh, so God wants to use your tongue. And speaking of body parts that God's interested in, in uh, asking you for, your sex drive. How about that trade? That's a fun one, right? God says, hey, I, I want that. My sex drive? <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Like, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking about that too, of like, it is one of the most, it is, I really do think, you know, maybe aside from like survival, but it's one of the strongest biological human drivers that everybody has. And it's like, God, what do you want with that? It's like, because if I give that to you, then like, how am I going to meet the ladies? You know, like, I don't know if I'm willing to give that up. But God says, okay, if you can give it to me, I will use that energy. One of the greatest biological motivators in your body that is overwhelming, drives people to do crazy things. I can use that for your good. And I can use that to glorify me if you'll give it to me. And all of a sudden, he is taking something, a, a, an impulse, a strong biological impulse, only designed for our own self-gratification. And he says, if you give me that, I will give you something better, delayed gratification. I will teach you how to set aside your immediate, intense biological impulses and teach you how to look into the future and say, what I want right now is not going to bring heaven on earth. It's not going to bring healing in my life. It's not going to improve my relationships. And God's giving this heavy weight saying, if you learn how to trade immediate gratification for delayed gratification, that is the key to all of the best things in life. Dieting is saying what I want to eat right now, I'm going to set aside so I can have health later. And saving financial investments is saying, I'm going to put money away now that I could spend right now so that my future is more wealthy. 
that I have, you know, that my crops are growing. And even with, uh, sorry, what was the other one? Yeah, even sowing seeds, right? I'm going to plant seeds. It talks about them going out in the field, sowing in tears. Uh, and you think about, because they're planting food that they needed to eat. But they said, if we can delay the gratifications, our flesh, the things we want right now, it's going to lead to something better in the future. God says, give me that dime, that sex drive, and then I'll give you something better. And I will say this, this does not only apply to people who are not yet married. If you're in marriage and your sex life is currently dead or being used as a weapon, you still need to give that to God. <laughs> that is not how he designed that thing to work. So even if you are married, if, you're, if sex is being used as a weapon or it's not existent, you need to give that to God because you're hanging on to your sex drive saying, no, 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 God, I don't want your dollar. This, I'm too, I need this. I need this leverage. I need this weapon or I'm just afraid and I don't want your dollar. You got to give him that dollar. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying there's not a process that's going to have to happen. But if you, can, if you can find a way, find the strength of will to open that hand and give it to him, let him lead you and then he will give you something better. Um, yeah, this even, go, oh, this is a, this is a fun one. Let's, let's lighten the mood a little bit here. Uh, money, right? Money's an easy one. If you give God your money, he will give you abundance. That's a good trade, right? If I give you money, you will increase me internally and externally. When I was a kid, and I'm glad dad's here, uh, cause dad, you will remember something you used to impose called the daddy tax, uh, which usually meant that dad would swipe a couple fries out of my happy meal. And as a kid, I was like, this is tyranny. We need to revolt. The leadership of our household has become corrupt and we must tear it down. These taxes are not of the Lord. It was, yeah, I mean, my self-righteous little 12-year-old self. Um, it was funny because in that time, it felt like something that I had, something that I owned, my property, my fries, were being taken from me. And I lost 10% of what I had. But thinking about it again as an adult, I think about Avery and like sometimes I'll cut up an apple for Avery and I'll say, oh, Avery, can I have a slice of your apple? And, uh, and, and uh, I need to do a little daddy tax. And, uh, you know, she'll usually just like, yeah, okay, good. And it's funny because there's a few times where she's like, no, you know, like I want to hold on to this. And it's funny because now on the other side, being the father myself and trying to impose my own daddy tax, I realized too that Avery would have zero apple if it weren't for me. And when I was a kid, I would have had zero fries if it weren't for my father's provision. So a tithe or an offering to God is not so much saying, okay, God, I'm doing this out of obligation because it's a rule that you made. And because you have, you're, you're allowed to take my money and like, I would just begrudgingly agree to the law. That's not how it works. God's saying again, if you give me your dime, I'll give you a dollar. And let's remind you who gave you that dime in the first place. You would have no dimes had I not given to them to you at all. You know, and sometimes that's hard when, you know, when I make, you know, a thousand dollars on a video project and then it's like, wait a minute. So 10%, I have to give a hundred of those dollars back to the church. It's like, that's like a tax. Why would they do that? But then I reminded when I really think about it, hang on a second. The only reason I'm able to make money at all is because I have the gifts that I have, which were given to me by God. The only reason I'm allowed to earn this money is because there's other people in the world who need what I have. And those people were also created by God. And regardless of gifts, I could do nothing without the life and breath in my lungs, which I desperately need from God. <laughs> and in that case, 10% seems silly. Like, 
You probably deserve more than that. You really deserve all of that. And that will not go down that road. But still, 10% is not a rule imposed by God. That is a intentional act of giving back to God what already belongs to him. And rather than be begrudgingly giving the 10%, that allows us to have immense gratitude for the 90 that we get to keep because it's more than we deserve, that 90%. So rather than focus on the pain of losing 10%, he teaches us to focus on the glory and the grace and the gratitude of the 90%. That is a good trade. That is a very good trade. Um, where do we want to go? How much time do I have? I don't want to do this forever. 10 o'clock is like a new time for me. I don't know. What do we think? Okay. We'll, we'll start landing this plane. Let's do it. Um, and again, these are, there are so many things that God trades. And there's always, there is always a process that has to happen to make the trade. A lot of times we don't know how good God's dollar is because sometimes we don't want to know. Because if you tell me that his dollar is more valuable, I might, la, 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 la. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I don't, I don't want to know. Because if you tell me I need to trade something, I don't want it. So I'm not going to listen to that. And that's pride in a lot of ways. But again, if, if you give God your resentment, I'm bitter, I'm angry. Of course you are. Life is difficult and people are flawed. And, and yes, life is hard. But if you give God that resentment, he'll give you gratitude. And that takes a change of mind and a force of will. And that's hard, but that's a good trade. Resentment compared to gratitude, that's a good trade. If you give God your poverty and specifically your mindset around poverty, if you give God your complaining, you give God your laziness, if you give God your, your bitterness over, oh, I should have already been successful by now. If you can give that to God, he'll teach you to truly be wealthy, give you a mindset of wealth. Your loneliness, if you can give God your loneliness and say, God, I trust you. God, I, like shape me. God, teach me how to be a person that can thrive in community. Make me somebody worthy of good friends and a good spouse and good people. And if you can give that to God and trust him with that, he'll give you community. He might even give you family. That's precious. That's a good trade. It's hard, but it's worth it. And even the simple thing of it, if you give God your love and affection, he'll give you his love and affection. Whoa, that's a big trade. Are you kidding me? Our love is broken and fickle and incomplete and corruptible and weak and easy to distract. But God's love is the ultimate expression, always available, never failing for all eternity. That's a good trade. Uh, yeah, and even just the incomprehensible love of God, Ephesians 3 saying, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. This is, a, this is an amount of money that is infinity. You can't even, it doesn't even compute. And this is what God gives to us in exchange for our love for him. God, if you love me, he's always gonna love you more. And anything you give him, he's always going to give you more. If you give God your anxiety, your need for control, your worries, like we said, fear is a waste of time. God's going to say, okay, feel it, deal with it, and then accept courage, accept peace from me. Trading worry for peace, anxiety for, for uh, courage, that's a really good trade. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's a good trade. And if we could just not be that Edward sticky hands. If we can let go of that control, if we can let go of that anxiety, God will put something better in your hands. Fear of man. This is an important one right now. If you're afraid of disappointing people or people getting mad at you, then if you can give that to God, 
and say, God, I trust you to protect my reputation. I trust you that the people that know me and love me will see my heart and know me. Even if somebody gets mad at me online or somebody hears something through the grapevine and gets upset about it, if you can give God the fear of man, he'll give you the boldness to speak the truth. And the truth confronts people. That's what it does. The truth is the light and the darkness. And a lot of times there's people in darkness that don't want to hear the truth or that know the truth and actively want to suppress the truth because that means they might have to change or something bad might happen or, or my reality won't be the reality. And if you can give that to God, if you can say, hey, I'm no longer afraid of persecution. I'm no longer afraid that people are going to be angry or disappointed. Then God will give you the boldness to speak the truth and make a change in the world. You know, and you even think about all these different trades. Substance addiction, he'll give you freedom. If you give God your pride, he will give you the ability to learn and he will give you the truth. Um, if you give God your plans for the future, he will give you a destiny, something better than you could have ever planned for yourself. Any vice, he will give you a virtue if you could just commit to the process and open your hand to him. And the most important thing here too, and we, you know, this kind of was touched on Last week, as we were talking about uh, just the persecution of missionaries and believers uh, and new Christians in Afghanistan right now, that it is going to cost them their life to believe what they believe. But that's a good trade. How can that be? How can, how can my life, my heart, my soul, my dreams, my desires, how can it be a good trade that just to say, praise God, cost me my life? Let's not forget Life on earth is going to be a speck of dust on the, all the beaches of the world when it comes to the eternity of joy ahead of us. Infinite. The more that I give to God, the more that he gives back. So the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. And you think about, <laughs> I love this, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, that sacrifice will never be topped because not only did God give his son on the cross, he gave himself on the cross. You know, people ask like, was it a greater sacrifice to give up your life for someone or to give up your child's life for someone? Both of those are incredible, but God's the only one who did both at the same time. <laughs> he gave up himself and his son at the same time, the ultimate sacrifice for the ultimate reward, eternal life with him in heaven. So what, what could you not give? So here we are, in our Christian life, knowing that life with Jesus is just a series of trades. It's bigger and better. If I give you something, you'll give me something better. It can be hurt, painful. It might be hard sometimes, but if I can give you a little more, you'll give me more. And if I give you more, then you'll give me more. And if I give you more, you'll give me more and on and on and on until eternity with Jesus. So we go to Romans 12, 1, 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, the wart on my foot is a sacrifice I am making while I'm still alive. A part of my body is being cut out and I'm saying, God, I surrender this to you. And when I say my pride that I'm so happy to hang on to, that I love, that I find safety in, I have to painfully extract that from myself as I am alive, sacrificing myself to God and being transformed as an act of worship, 
being transformed by the renewal of my mind. The more thoughts, the more strongholds, the more vices, the more addictions, the more pain that I can give to God is going to transform me as I continually sacrifice myself. It's like sacrificing yourself on the altar one piece at a time over and over and over again until you're made perfect in Christ, until you are with him for all eternity. That's a good trade. So I encourage you today, (laughs) as an act of worship, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Bigger and better, piece by piece, one brick at a time, let him rebuild you into something bigger and better. And before I'm done here, I want to actually take a minute to get practical because if this is just words that you hear and forget, it is not going to change your life. It will do you no good to just hear this and forget this. So I need you and you need you to do something about it. So here's my question to you. What trade is God presenting to you right now? And I'll I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's the part of you that hurts. It's the part of you you're not happy with. God wants to, he's holding a dollar out to you right now saying, give me the dime. You don't need it anymore. It's not helping you. I have something better for you. And it might scare you to reach out and take it. It might scare you to let go of the thing that you're holding on to. But if you would allow me to trade with you, to give you more than you currently have, I will perfect you. I will transform you. But you gotta let go of the dime. So what is that dime for you right now? And I want you to take a minute. We're going to be quiet for a second because we're a church that believes God speaks and you'll hear him. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, maybe not if you're driving, close your eyes. (laughs) And I want you to listen because God's speaking right now. And if you're listening, you'll hear him. Ask God, God, what is the dime that I'm holding on to? What dollar are you trying to give me? And what is the next thing in my life that you want to trade me for? What part of myself, of my mind, of my heart, of my body, do you want me to offer to you as a living sacrifice so that you might transform me? I believe a lot of you heard something, but if you didn't, let me see if I could help a little bit. (laughs) Is it a relationship? Is it a person? You know, Rachel had a beautiful moment this morning of saying she had given up praying for somebody. She's going to start again. That pain and that hurt and that disappointment, she's trading it to God. And he says, okay, praise God. Thank you for letting go of that. Here's a dollar. I have something better for you that will transform you. Is it an addiction? Something big or something small? Something as small as lying. I shouldn't say too small. That can get pretty big. But is it something from substance abuse? Is it alcohol? Is it gambling? Is it lying, cheating, stealing? Does that have to go? Is it something in your heart? Is it a painful place that you just can't let go of? 
God wants to take that from you. He's got, he's got healing for you. He's got real life for you there. Is it pride? Are you just so certain that you're right, that you refuse to listen anymore? That pride is keeping you from hearing the truth. Give it to God. If that's not hitting any nerves for anybody, I encourage you, please pause the video or as soon as we're done, just listen until he speaks. Because until we are perfect, God always has another trade for us. And you're not perfect. Some of you are getting there, but you're not perfect yet. (laughs) And until you are perfect, God always has another trade for you. Bigger and better on and on. Glory to glory till eternity. Let's be brave. Let's make good trades. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. If you enjoyed that message, please subscribe and share us with your friends. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the body of Christ and wants to have a relationship with us as he guides us toward our destiny. If you'd like to partner with us in your giving, please check out our website at www.familylife.cc giving. Or you can text GIVE to 844-955-0993. Thank you for listening and stay blessed.